Greetings and welcome to another episode of Stamper Cinema. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for downloading this latest episode and continuing along with our month-long series on all things related horror, because it is October as I am recording this. We are now going to delve into one of my all-time favorite horror film tropes, that being the final girl. Now, I wish I could take credit for coming up with this concept, but today's guest, as incredible as he is, deserves all the credit because it was his idea. I, I, I really wish I had a better, better intro than that. But um, I'm really excited to have this conversation. You're going to love this guest. He's an absolute force writer. He's written some books, written some screenplays, uh, just uh, a huge resume. And I can't be more thrilled. We're going to get into talking about Final Girls. And if you don't know what that means, you're about to find out. So without further ado, please welcome today's guest, Harker Jones. Again, Harker, thank you so much for, for hopping on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, it's only 87 degrees today in L.A., so it actually almost felt cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it like tapped out today at like 81 degrees. I'm here in the Atlanta area and it was kind of like overcasty and a little bit, a little bit of like wind at times where like it's been murder all like all summer. This has felt really nice today. Yeah, it, it's been murder here too. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I'll actually walk home from the gym. <laughs> um, yeah, things are going well other than that. Well, good, good. Again, thank you very much. Uh, I'm really, I'm really excited to talk about the conversation that we've got in store. It's something that just in like casual conversations with friends, it's something that I like to like to discuss the good and the bad that is essentially associated with it. Before we start getting into that topic. Which again, this is your idea. I love it. You know, you're the first person to say, hey, what are your thoughts about doing this? And I'm like, oh, yes, cool. <laughs> yes, let's do this. Um, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself to the listeners, who you are, what do you do? Obviously, we know your name is Harker Jones and you live in LA, but, and you, you know, you could walk home from the gym today. But apart from that, what, uh, what else can we, can we, can we uh, learn about you? Well, I grew up in Michigan small town, dirt road, and I've been in LA for 20 years. I was out, um, the managing editor of Out Magazine for seven years. I did two years in gay porn at a magazine as an editor. <laughs> and um, I work for um, a publishing house out of San Diego, based in San Diego County. And I work for Disney Publishing freelance. And I am a member of the LA Drama Critics Circle. So I see a lot of theater. I'm seeing four shows in eight days this oh, man. week tomorrow is number four <laughs> anything <laughs> good well actually well maybe don't answer if anything's good but uh oh, there's a lot of good stuff and there's a lot of not so good stuff <laughs> it's like with any movie any music you listen to any book like you know you want to love everything you know and mm -hmm. you take your chances. <laughs> right right so i do review for broadway world and i'm a member of mensa and i've written a novel a love story called until september which is available on most most i guess most <laughs> most platforms like amazon and kobo and google and barnes and noble and etc um on amazon you can get it in electronic form as well as physical form it's done really well i've gotten some fan letters and um i sold 1200 copies and to me that's a lot because it's just me and i'm I'm the only one promoting it and I'm not always promoting it, you know, and when I do, it's like $4 a day, like, well, let's see if it lands. And so, I mean, 1200 is a lot. That, that is a lot. Thanks. Thank yeah. you. So. That's 1200 more than me. So well done. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm a screenwriter. I have nine or 10. I always get confused. And I try to do the full count. Um, features completed. And then um, one limited series based on my book until September. And I've got two short thrillers that are on the festival circuit and they're doing really well. They've been accepted to 60 festivals in total and won several awards. So, and it, a lot of that, I mean, A, I wrote them, but beyond that, like it's really the people who, who produced them, mm -hmm. you know, they did really, really good job with it. Um, did the script itself wouldn't have gotten well. Most film festivals don't accept just scripts, <laughs> but you know, it's really about them. I would say more than me, you know, and it's, yeah, yeah I'm impressed. I'm, I'm, 
blessed that I was able to to collaborate with these people because well, you good. Guys never know where it's going to go once it's in someone else's hands. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot to unpack with there, and I don't really know where to begin other than just going into the, the discussion briefly on Menza. Like, how does that come to be? Like, how does yeah? Like, I, I don't even know what are the ins and outs. All I know about Menza is. You got to be intelligent. You got to be pretty smart. But that, that's that's about the extent of what I know about it. And that's kind of all I knew too. I mean, I was just like 15 years ago. I was like, I don't know how it came up. I mean, you hear about it periodically. But I was like, you know, I should take the test. Shits and giggles, you know? <laughs> like, why right. not? And, and I put it off and put it off. I was like, oh, I don't want to go to Pasadena. And then they had one in West Hollywood. And I was just like, I was, I was kind of sick. Just, you know, just a random thing it wasn't even a cold i don't know what was up and i was like oh, i've been putting the after reaching out i've been putting this guy off for i don't know how long i mean <laughs> i can't i can't say no and so i went and i was sick the whole time just like oh i don't feel well and then i took the test and i was like i don't know what is going on with this test and when i got the um the results in the mail i was thinking college like thick or thin kind of thing and it was mm -hmm. just like i think one sheet maybe two sheets of paper i was like well you know womp womp and then it was like oh you better accept it and i was just like well i'm joining immediately before they realize there's been a mistake <laughs> <laughs> and yeah i don't know it, it's it's it, it just tickles me it's so bizarre yeah meanwhile someone out there named jones harker is like why have they never ever like sending my information back right <laughs> i know i'm smart <laughs> 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 um, yeah it's, it's it's super random it's super yeah. random. say tell me something you know about you that no one really knows that's kind of where i go just because it's so bizarre yeah, who, yeah. you know who's in mensa i don't yeah. know anyone else who's in mensa it's after people like met through mensa but you know right. just like at a party you know just meet someone just as far as you know who is in it and it's just it's so weird so there's that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's cool. That's cool. Now about, I'm sorry, it's until September, correct? Yes. What, what can you tell us about it without, obviously, you know, for those that haven't read it, obviously, you know, the, um, but just to introduce it briefly to us, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you. It is a love story, a gay love story coming of age. It takes place in 1966. And this beautiful, wealthy, kind, sensitive boy, summers the same year, at the, on the same island with the same group of friends and the year between um, prep school and university, there's a new boy on the island and he falls in love with him. And it sets in series, it sets in motion a series of devastating consequences that make them have to question their future. They only have until September to figure it out. Oh, interesting. Right, and you said uh, that's from what I understand, it's available just about anywhere you can get your hands on it. Yeah, if you Google me, I, it, I'll show up. Awesome. Show. <laughs> well, perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Harker. And um, I'm, I'm excited to look into that and check that out. But um, before we get into even and more discussions on that, maybe in the future, let's talk about some final girls. Let's talk final girls. So I am really, really fascinated by this, this whole concept, but more than anything, I'm, I'm curious as to know, why did you want to talk about this? You know, uh, you know, what, what kind of like peak this this idea that you wanted to wanted to cover this trope? Well, I listened to some of your podcasts and I kind of you know, I checked out the um, the themes of others that I didn't listen to, and you had covered some things that I would have suggested. <laughs> I don't remember what right offhand, and, but I was like, oh damn! And then I was just like, well, it doesn't have to be a specific movie, I guess. So let me run this by you and just kind of see because I. It appears you hadn't covered this, and I think it's an interesting topic. It's it's become a thing. Um, I, I did a little research to, beyond like just me talking on my ass, but um, I can't see what year it is. But it was coined by someone named Carol Jo Clover, Carol J. Clover, in her book Men, Women, and Chainsaws: Gender in the Modern Horror Films. And it's just it's become a, such a common term, like jump the shark, right? Kind of thing, that like, people who aren't even into horror movies, they know what it means. They just mm -hmm. get it in terms of shorthand. And while, you know, there are archetypes in every genre, of course, um, that, that's a big one, especially in slashers, of course. I mean, it's not quite the same if it's like a zombie movie, not necessarily at least, or ghosts. But um, it, it's, it's, it's so prevalent to the point where let's mix it up a little, you know? Right. Like, what was it? Oh, God, the comedy. Um, 
I'm totally for- going to forget. Sally Field's son directed it. I just thought about it yesterday. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't and know that was Sally Field's son that did that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, dude. That That is the first thing that I thought of as opposed to your name. The director's whose name. I still don't remember. <laughs> but when I found that out after, I was like, oh, that's interesting. They upended a lot of tropes in there. I thought it yeah. was fresh and really fun. It's like, yeah. oh, she's not the virgin, you know? Right. <laughs> and so why would she live or whatever happened? I don't remember exactly, but I thought that was really fun. And it was a good way to make that clever because we've seen it so many times. Now, for those out there that maybe aren't familiar, I mean, and I guess maybe they've been living on another planet, I don't know. But if you wouldn't mind, just kind of briefly, you don't have to define it in, you know, the the literary terms or anything, but just in a broad sense, what what or who is the final girl? Well, in slasher films, a lot of the kids who are killed are the quote-unquote bad ones or the naughty ones. They drink. They have sex, they swear, they smoke, they do drugs. They're actual normal people. And um, there's always one girl. It's it's pretty much always a girl. I would say more than 99% of the time, it's a girl who um, is the nice, quote unquote, nice girl who doesn't drink, do drugs, have sex, smoke, swear, whatever. And I guess we're supposed to identify with her more, you know, because she doesn't do those things. But um, she ends up being like, you know, the virginal heroine. And mm-hmm. so she spared the killer. I mean, she has to fight for her life, but she generally triumphs in the end. And so she's the final girl. It's become a, a such a trope because it's almost always a girl. <laughs> With very, very limited exceptions, right? I mean, the, the, the terminology final boy doesn't exist. But I mean, there is the occasional like horror film where it is the the guy whether it's uh recently like the movie get out where um mm. shoot uh, was it daniel kaluuya yes um chris you know from get out he was you know your your final boy or um homeboy from uh final destination oh devin sawa yeah devin sawa right you have him or in the just kind of the it's not i guess you could call this like a torture slasher film the collector you had the character arkin right but these are kind of we just watched the collection this weekend (laughs) oh did you it's like low-key one of my favorite like torture like slasher style films i know like more times than not i don't particularly fall for that genre but i don't know there's something about arkin's character that i'm like i i just i i'm I'm rooting for this 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 petty criminal to like you know survive somehow and uh but yeah with limited exception it's usually the the final girl trope right i mean as you said jay hernandez in hostel yeah yep mm-hmm, exactly um but the that whole idea is obviously the the last last woman standing usually as you said a virgin doesn't drink doesn't smoke basically abides by those rules that randy's character in scream right. kind of talks about right <laughs> and what's great is scream they didn't use that term final girl they call them like the scream queen right which is just another term that we often use but that 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 phrase was coined in the like early 90s with that what was it? you said men and women and chainsaws i think is what men, women and chainsaws gender in the modern horror film yeah <laughs> yeah so obviously it was it was coined then the whole idea i think in the end and yeah obviously the the female goes through some type of change and she has to take down the evil usually using some type of phallic symbol you know like a weapon of some sort right like she's in just to get kind of like i don't know like freudian you know she she gains a penis at the end i guess i don't know i i you know i think it's kind of leave it to it you know a couple guys trying to explain uh final girl logic but it's been going on forever i mean shoot you know even though they often use that final girl phrase that kind of like coincides with like the seventies through like modern, like postmodern filmmaking. But I mean, you can look at, I don't know, night of the living dead. Right. I mean, the only survivor sure. in that was a female or, or psycho, even though one female dies, we still have the, the heroine at the end. Yeah. She's kind of a final girl, but also the bat Janet Lee is the bad girl. She's right. Yeah. Someone, she's not married. She stole money. Mm-hmm. And, and she's punished and she's punished for all those things. Right. But, you know, and it still kind of goes into a lot of it just to get really, really 
uh, psychoanalytical and everything. Kind of that that phrase that was coined in the 60s and 70s of the male gaze, right? Where basically, you know, women are on camera for for men, you know, to kind of like oogle and, and look at. And that's yeah. that's that was really the inception of that, right? I mean, that's where it kind of all goes back into, of course, we are now going to root for a female to go through this type of change because it also goes into that whole idea where we often want to see a, a strong male character mm-hmm. on screen. We don't want to see him going through like the, these perils and looking weak. Right. And then right. you know, so usually, you know, our, our, our final, our final guys are usually badass hombres like Arnold Schwarzenegger and the predator, right? He doesn't right. really have any weakness in this movie. He doesn't lose anything until he strips. He actually strips away all of his, his guns and toys. And then it's just like, pure like brunt force right at the end so we are we are strong we are a man and then if we're going to survive we have to we have to strip that away where the final girl concept is the opposite is there we're we're, we're taking this kind of conservative um ideological like female and then we're going to we're going to you know give her again we're going to give her a penis at the end by giving her a weapon or a sword or something right right no absolutely and um, in my research, I came across someone named Derek Souls. He mm. argues, I'm going to read this, argues yeah, that yeah. the tragic destiny of final girls represents an expression of patriarchal society where capable, independent women must either be contained or destroyed. Men like to see women victimized, and there's feminism also because she survives and fights back. So the women can also find, oh, well, she's strong, but the guys can see she's victimized. This is very, you know, becoming a Freudian, like you said, and it's, I think, broad strokes, but I also think there's something there, too, because it's almost always a girl. Like you said, we, your average person, society doesn't want to see a weak male. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm watching the movie now, not right the second, obviously, and it's it's uh, about an assassin, which in and of itself, I'm like, Ugh, but I'm watching it. And it's just, it's just all the hyper choreographed stuff and he's a badass and, you know, he might get bruised or something like that, but like he's fighting off 19 other guys. And I'm like, this is just stupid. Mm-hmm. And I end up tuning out. I'm like, wait, what just happened? Because it's just, I'm like, okay, it's not a conscious. I just start thinking about something else, even though there's all this action going on because it just seems silly. It's, it's, it's more interesting to me when he's fallible. I understand we want to see, you know, the hero triumph, of course, of course, but like, it's more interesting when it's someone like Devin Salva, who is just a guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, it's also death. What can you do? <laughs> he was yeah. fighting. Yeah. <laughs> but still. As we learn in the movie, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, it, it it doesn't death matter. is coming for right. you. But right, right, right. So obviously, we you know we've covered this kind of like in a like a kind of like a broad stroke. This is what the idea is. There have been tons of films, right? Whether it's like Black Christmas or Texas Chainsaw Massacre, just to use some more like from the seventies on. Alien, Suspiria, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Hellraiser, Scream, yada, 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 right? Uh, I am curious, do you have, do you have any favorites uh, that like, kind of like your, your quintessential, this is, this is my final girl or, or my, I have like my Mount Rushmore of final girls. I really like Amy Steele. Oh, yeah. Friday the 13th part two and April Fool's Day. Yes. So it's too enough to make you a scream queen. I don't know, but <laughs> yes, it does. And I have to stop you before we go any further, just yeah. because that was like, that's, that's some, that's some deep cut, like <laughs> final girl action right there. I mean, one, I love Amy Steele, uh, but that you reference Friday 13th part two. And one of my <laughs> favorite movies that I grew up as a kid loving so much is April fool's day. I mean, I, I can't April tell day. you how many times I've seen that movie. So I, I just have to stop and have like a little Amy Steele appreciation. But yeah, she's good. She she she's the every girl without being bland. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, oh, she's got spunk. You know, maybe she's got a little bit of spunk, but that's not what it's about. And that that I feel like takes away from it. There's just something real about her. And I think she's a good actor. Um, and a lot of the acting in April Fool's Day, a lot of those actors are so good. Like that movie, it just transcends the genre to such a degree. And I think a lot of hardcore horror fans kind of shit on it because it's not graphically gory. But to me, like horror isn't about gore. That can be part of it. Horror is about suspense. A PG rated movie. Look at Poltergeist. Look at the others. This may be PG 13. I don't know, but you get what I'm saying. Like it, it doesn't have to 
of course, Poltergeist also has the face scene. But regardless, <laughs> and you don't see any gore at all, I don't think, in the others. I don't think you see any violence. You know, it, it's still very suspenseful. It's still a horror movie. And so April Fool's Day, I feel like they're like, oh, that was a cop-out or something. We're like, that was clever. It completely threw upside down the whole like slasher idea. And in the end, I'm sorry for those that are listening that I've never seen April Fool's Day because it, the movie came out like 1985 or 86. Get over it. I mean, you've right, had, you've had, right. there's been a remake for crying out loud. I've never seen the remake. I, I refuse to so just on bad. principle. Is it's it bad? So, so bad. So much worse than you're thinking. Carry on. Sorry. It's yeah. So I, but what I love about the film is, yeah, it, it's, it, it's gory one, but two, it's actually genius because it's a slasher film that in the end, nobody actually dies. Right. You know, like it's, right. it's, it's, it's perfect. You're watching these gruesome deaths, but it's telling you in the title, it's April Fool's right. Day. This is all a gag. It's a gag to the characters, but it's also a gag to the audience as well, because right. you're trying to figure out this who done it, And then the, you're in the same boat as Amy Steele's character of just trying right. to figure out what, what's going on, what's going on. And then you've got that, that that moment where her and uh i forget his name but uh and olin is that uh he was i think he was also in summer school he played okay okay so i know it wasn't biff from back to the future and it wasn't uh the other guy that was in just one of the guys that's the and deborah goodrich who was also in just one of the guys yeah mm -hmm. yeah Um, so cast. But again, like really, really good, high quality actors. In, and I don't know what the budget was, but I mean, it was the 80s. Nobody really gave a shit unless it was like a big production. Right. Uh, most of your horror films had relatively low budgets anyway. I don't know if the movie made a ton, but I think it's a movie that that has aged very well because of the fact simply in the end, it, it's it's all a gag. So you can kind of write off some of the special effects because sure, right. you're they're very practical effects. It just makes it even smarter and more genius. Yes. And it's it's even nicer. There was, it didn't do well, so it's might be why, but also there was no sequel. Not yeah. everything needs a sequel. Mm -hmm. Not everything needs a sequel. Not everything needs a sequel. <laughs> Not everything is a sequel. Absolutely agree. Uh, what else? What else do you um, like? I would go with um, Marilyn Burns from Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. I worked at Famous Monsters Magazine for a year and a half or something and we did a poll your favorite final girl and she won which i thought was surprising she was only in the one movie mm -hmm. and she made it in other things but like in terms of you know horror movies what she's known for and she won i think it's because what she goes through there's there's such a realism to it that just that one thing to me trumps everything jamie lee curtis goes through in the halloween movies mm -hmm. i see thinking he's going to chase you until you either collapse and die or until he catches you it's just what she goes through is so horrifying and she's so good to scream how can she run and scream like that for so long <laughs> yeah yeah like really quite you know arguably the original scream queen because obviously that predates halloween by a good six years i think yeah i think it was out a year or two before black christmas and, I was going to bring that one up too. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll talk about that one next, but I'm all about talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And there is something very gritty. I'm sorry? This is the, apparently this today, August 18th. Is that what did it? Yeah. Is, I'm seeing memes all over the place about how it's Texas Chainsaw Day because this is the day it all went down, apparently. Like in the opening oh. when he... I know, I, I didn't. I, I love the movie, but I, I don't know that. You know? <laughs> I'm seeing things on social media about it. And it's the first time I've seen it. So I guess it's maybe it'll become a thing every year. Yeah. You know, horror fans, of course. <laughs> My mom's not going to care. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yes, apparently it took place today, August 18th, 1973. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the movie is really gritty. It's all over the place. There's, you know, it, it's gory, it's terrifying, but there's like this weird element of, uh, I don't know, I don't, comedy isn't really the word I want to use, but that, that, but I mean, it's a little like comical, like that, the scene where she's just kind of at the dinner table with everybody and it's so bizarre and everything that's going on, you, you have no idea what's going to go on. I mean, I, I mean, it's completely unpredictable. You don't know if she's going to survive. I mean, right. everything that you've seen thus far gives you no evidence that she's making making out of this alive. And when when you look at modern 
modern films in a similar genre, there is kind of this arc that we're following where within this one, there are no rules. I mean, this movie, anything can and is going to happen. And so, yeah, that that insanity that she experiences, you know, in the end, that you know, the running and screaming and this scene on the truck at the end. And like, like how much of that is acting? I don't know. You know, like, like, yeah. Toby was like, no, this is a real chainsaw. And he's going to, he's, he's going to, he's going to kill you. You know, I mean, how much, I don't know what's acting in that movie. I don't. And then the old man, like sucking her finger. Right. Mm -hmm. And then trying to use the thing to like hit her in the head. Like, you know, like she's one of the animals in the abattoir, like just like, it's so fucked up. It's so, it's, it just blows my mind. Yeah. Eesh. I met Toby Hooper once. They did a screening of that at a place where I used to volunteer called the Center for Inquiry. Anyway, they um, they screened. I don't know what was going on. That's not what they normally did. <laughs> but he was there. I got a photo with him. He's very, very nice. Oh, He's that's awesome. Friend. That's yeah. awesome. Just for the sake of time, you want to, because you had mentioned Black Christmas as well. This movie I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I've got a couple a uh, couple thoughts as well. I'm just kind of curious. I thought it was, it, it, I mean, you, obviously when I saw it, it was already old. And, but, but, you know, you understand, like, you know, some, you know, in the 30s, like, they didn't have, they couldn't text or whatever. So whatever year this was, like, she had to go to the phone company. You could see, like, the different clacking machines things trying to do the phones. It was really bizarre. But she's, I thought it was very suspenseful. And this is an interesting thing, because this is really before the final girl was a thing, even before it was coined, but before it was a thing to be coined. Um, like, she was pregnant by a man she was not married to, and she was going to have an abortion. And she's still the final girl. Maybe it's just because it's Canadian, so it doesn't have to be all about the virginal girls. I don't know. But I thought that was pretty progressive for in retrospect, when I was a child watching this, I wasn't thinking about it. But, but I, thought, I think it's pretty progressive for the time. And honestly, that would be pretty progressive now. Oh, my God. Are you kidding? Extremely. Yeah. Not just because of the Ro- Roe v. Wade thing. That, that makes it more. But just in general, to have your lead girl actively seeking to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe to get away with it a little bit because it's Juliet from Romeo and Juliet. I don't know. Uh <laughs> For not not Claire Danes, but the you know the the 1960s <laughs> Olivia Hussey, okay, the Hussey? One. yeah, and um, who is it? Margot Kidder is in it as oh, well. So and she's, she's she's great in this. I mean, she's she was she's, always great in everything. She's really good in that role. I mean, she's the comic relief character, but she's really you can that can just be like oh, it's a comic relief, but also it can be done really well, and she does it really well. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I do love the ending because it's. This might have been like one of those early like final girl like, oh, this this is kind of genius to kind of just leave you wondering, you know, she she technically survives a battle, but has she won the war? You know, like you you don't know. You don't know. You don't really know her fate. You assume the worst, especially like if you really try to analyze it, basically every time like the the phone would ring, it was like right before like a a murder or like right after. And so. The movie ends with the phone ringing. So it's like, oh, crap, you know, is uh, I can't believe I just forgot her name. Jess. Jess. Oh, Hussey. Her name character, yeah. Jess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jess, which also goes back into another final girl trope is typically your final girl usually has like a uh, gender neutral name. Like obviously Scream, you have Sydney. Uh, even if we were to use Alien, Ripley, which she's never even addressed as Ellen Ripley. I don't even right. think until like the the, the sequel. Um, and then a myriad of other films that are that are escaping me right off the top of my or head. It's technically unisex, even though it's mostly a female name. Now, but Lori is also a male name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever saw It Follows, um, Michael Monroe, her character's name was Jay. Uh, oh. Florence Pugh in Midsommar, her name is Danny. Um, okay. Let's see. Obviously, I said Sydney Prescott from that. Um, is there any? I'm sure. I, I'm, I I know there are a myriad more, but even Jess, obviously, again, you know, it could be Jesse. You know, you know, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. Again, gender neutral names that we typically find in, wonder, uh, in that trope. There has to be subconscious on the screenwriter's name, right? On the screenwriter's uh, in his or her mind. Like that, I don't know. I, I don't know. 
do that, like conscious, like, oh, I'll give a gender neutral name, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is, it is interesting. Um, in my own work, I've never really, I've never considered, I've never considered that. I mean, you've written plenty of screenplays yourself, and I, I don't think you've ever really thought that. So I don't know. I've got two that, I've got three, <laughs> sorry, I have two, I've got three. No, I've got two that I would consider, like, with Final Girls. Well, maybe three, actually. Okay, so one is named Natalie. One is... Oh, two of them are boys, actually, which is not a conscious, like, oh, I should, you know, be battling these statistics. But, <laughs> and honestly, both of them are gay. I won't say the names just because once they're produced, I'm, I'm no, that's cute. okay. You don't have to, you don't, you don't have to say anything. No, that's it, Harker. You're on the spot. Tell me now. No. <laughs> but the character names are not um, unisex. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm thinking about it, like right now, and Natalie is not unisex. No. No, she's never called Nat, which I guess is both. But like, she's never yeah, called like Nat King Cole. Yeah, right. I was thinking Nat from Nat Two and Well, you know Nat, but I mean that's like you know Nathan. You know, like Nat, Nate, right. but right, yeah, right Natalie. Right. Hmm. But yes, they do t- tend to be unisex, and I, I wonder why. What is going on unconsciously for that to be the case? We'll yeah, uh, a question that I have, and I'm curious to know what your thoughts are. Of course, it can go either way, depending on how you want to look at it. But I am fascinated with the idea is if the final girl trope is empowering or the opposite. If you're if you're a female, if you know, like, I, I again, I think it can it can alter because, I mean, you have, for example, Sidney Prescott when he's like the, the question uh, that Ghostface asks her, like, do you do you like scary movies? And she's like, what's the point? They're all the same. Some right. stupid, you know, killer stalking, uh, a big breasted bimbo who can't act, who's always running up the stairs when she should be running out the front door. It's insulting, right? Right, right. But, you know, is is the idea of a strong female, is that empowering? Or when we diminish it to simply the idea of a, a virginal square woman who, you know, does, doesn't like to have fun and exp, uh, express herself sexually or, you know, want to party, but, you know, she's only accepted when she takes up the, the mantle by grabbing a gun or a knife or a, a staff of some sort and asserting right. some form of masculinity. I mean, I, I see how it is empowering. Absolutely. But does it always have to start from that? from square one with she is the virginal nice girl next door kind of thing um because it can be empowering no matter where she comes from i don't mean she has to be some super badass to start either but just someone who's more real and Mm -hmm. and obviously there are virginal girls out there who who you know don't drink and do drugs etc but you know just someone who who lives life a little more (laughs) (laughs) you know start from that kind of place because the trope bugs me because, mm-hmm. I mean, people are going to get killed, so there are stakes. But there are no real stakes, so you know who's going to live. Maybe her friend will live. Maybe the boyfriend will live. But that doesn't even matter. We know she's going to live. So in some ways, there aren't real stakes. Because, mm-hmm. it, 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 again, like to me, this is about suspense. I want to be surprised. And I'll still watch the slasher movie, you know, and if it's good, I'll enjoy it. But I want to be surprised. Right. I want to see, for example, Sydney killed in the middle of Scream 1. Who would have seen that coming? Everyone flipped out at Drew Barrymore. It's like, oh, I, I've always been really aware of like what's going on behind the scenes. And so I knew that was going to happen like two years before the movie came out. And my sister was like, holy shit. As soon as that happened, I knew all bets were off. I was like, oh, I've known that for so long. I thought that was common knowledge. I assumed <laughs> everybody knew that going in, but no. And that's partially why I think it works so well. It's very, very good, but also it threw people off because she was such a big name. Mm-hmm. And she's she's the one on the poster, right? Right. She's so she's on the poster because they want to surprise people, which mm-hmm. I love. Would yeah. surprise more if Sydney had gotten killed too. But that's also okay because Sydney's great. But you know, like just that in general, I like to be surprised, and so the trope again. Archetypes are part of every genre. Storytelling, going back to you know cavemen or whatever, but but it's just nice to mix it up. Yeah, and I 
hope that I do that in my scripts and <laughs> we'll see what people think. I get good feedback, especially on Never Have I Ever, which is a slasher who done it. So it's not just like Friday the 13th, people getting killed, and at the end we throw in some story, you know, in <laughs> some exposition. And it's great, don't get me wrong. But like, no, there's this is a whodunit like scream. And um, I hope that it, I get really, really positive feedback when I pitch it. So I'm hopeful that when it is produced, it will surprise people. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. I want to know more about that. Thank you. And I'm sorry, what was the name of that, that, that title that you had just mentioned? Oh, Never Have I Ever. Never Have I Ever. Yeah, I use the comps of I Know What You Did Last Summer and Truth yeah, Truth or Dare. I used to do Scream, but then, because um, I feel like it's more of a whodunit, like active seeking out whodunit versus I Know What You Did Last Summer, which seemed a little more straightforward. But um, then people were expecting it to be a comedy too, and it's really not. Mm. <laughs> I write comedies, but like my horror is pretty straight. Like I like my horror black. Mm. So, um, I mean, the kids, you know, the characters have some jokes and stuff, but it's not a comedy. Right. Like um, when I heard that Never Have I Ever, it makes me think of that game. That's what it's based on. Oh, okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely want to know more about that. So, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be looking out for that one. Cool. I will let you know. I will let the whole world know. (laughs) (laughs) I get really positive feedback and it's, it's, it's super inexpensive. It's Mm. one of the Blumhouse 5 million or less movies. It might be 8 million or 10 now for them, but that was their kind of loosely their model for a while. And like, it's one of those, it, 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 it's sold on the concept. It doesn't have to be an actor who, who, is a name. I mean, a lot of horror movies, they, they tend to work better when, it, when it's not necessarily a big name associated with it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've, we've gone through, I mean, it's already a pretty good little uh, Mount Rushmore there as we've, we've, we've covered mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Black Christmas. Uh, was, am I forgetting one? Friday the 13th part two slash Friday 13th part <laughs> slash, uh, slash April Fool's day. Uh, there are and anyone else that, that come to mind? <sighs> I mean, you know, I, I got to throw Lori out there, Lori Strode, just because I think she, that is the one that created the actual blueprint of it. Kind of like Blair Witch was a huge success, but um, found footage didn't explode until Paranormal Activity mm-hmm. was a huge success like 10 years later or whatever. So despite the fact Texas Chainsaw really having an impact, Halloween went mainstream. No, I mean, I don't think he was intending that necessarily, but like it ended up going mainstream and it really is the blueprint for it all. And, you know, it's she's a really solid character. It, they're solid films, you know, for the most part. <laughs> and, and she's um, solidly performed by Jamie Lee Curtis. Like and she's been through so much. I mean, she's still going through it. So it's hard to argue that because it's she's again i'll keep saying she's so solid (laughs) yeah yeah and you mentioned like it like kind of it it's the movie that we kind of all use because it checks all the boxes of what we now know of as that final girl right Right. she doesn't do anything uh she she's crushing on a boy but she doesn't ever see him and she gets like a little weirded out when one of her friends mentions well you know he uh, was it Ben? Was it Ben Tramer? I, I, I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the boy that she you know, that she she wanted to you know go on the dance with or what or whatever it was. But she's she's embarrassed when her friend said, "Well, I was talking to him," and she's like, "Oh no, you didn't." And she's you know the babysitter, and she's the one not getting her freak on. She's not doing anything, and everybody else dies, and she has a great scream. Uh, when she's literally running through the neighborhood screaming and everything. So like literally all those things we talk about Mm -hmm. and in the end she picks up, you know, she picks up the knife and she's also stabbed, you know, stabbing with them with, with a hanger. And um, of course in the end she's saved by Loomis. She doesn't, she doesn't do the kill herself, but that's another (laughs) kind of thing that they, that they also kind of talked about is still in the, the seventies that women still, even though they assert themselves, they still, they still need a strong man to help them in some capacity. 
Right. And that is changed through the years. And hey, I don't mind if a guy helps out a girl, right. you know, once in a while, but if it's always that way, again, there's no surprise. And also, does she always need to be helped by a guy? You know, <laughs> does every girl need to be helped by a guy? No. Some, sure. I would need to be helped by a guy in this situation, or anybody in this situation. <laughs> Please help me. Please save me. <laughs> you know, but like a lot of people wouldn't. And I think that's changed a lot. Um, I also think just in the world, like that, the damsel in distress needing a man was what was standard. So a lot of females just bought into that because, well, that's what we do next. That's what we do. I do this and you protect me or whatever. And I think things started to change, I guess, like in the 60s and into the 70s with the feminism movement and all. And they're like, we don't need this. Mm -hmm. And I think that really helped people, not just in terms of storytelling, but in the world, see it and own it more. And then that also then bleeds into storytelling as well. I guess that's the end of my rants. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. I was just, you know, I, I, I try not to interrupt. And when people are going, I'm just like, keep going. No, um, me too. When you were talking, I'm like, I don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I do love about a good trope, obviously, it, what, what I like it, you know, I also, there are elements that I dislike too, but I'm a, I'm a big sucker for archetypes and rules when people know how they work, but also when people know how to break them. Because it also then builds strength in the trope itself, right? So the whole idea of when the good guy dies at the end, you know, it, you want that. You you hate that uh, at the same time, but you need that because that means other movies, you don't know if the good guy is going to win, right? And right. so, you know, the whole idea of the final girl, you, you know what's going to happen. But I think my favorite yang to the yin of final girl are kind of like that that those final girl foils where you think, oh, we're tracking this story because mm -hmm. she's kind of embodying that, but then we're going to like pull the rug from underneath you. So like recently, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but the movie X. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. I, I, I was kind of thinking, well, maybe this might be Jenna Ortega's film because she's like the virginal uh, girl in the movie. She's literally having the cross. She was the girlfriend of the camera operator. She was not one of the porn stars in the right. movie and in the end she's not the final girl uh very unceremoniously not the final girl of the movie x but um so you think that that might be who we're who we're tracking but it's not necessarily who we're tracking or a few years ago scream 4 which some people didn't love i was a big fan of scream 4 personally i think it is well, one of the three best. So <laughs> out of five. So yeah. but still, I love Scream 4. I don't understand why that didn't land with people. I, I don't know if it was because it was 10 years after the fact, you know, since like the, the previous ones when like audiences had kind of grown up and they had grown away from it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to put any thoughts, uh, but I loved it. I love the idea of using modern technology, but right. the whole idea, you know, in the end and her whole motive goes back to that whole concept of being the final girl, right? And mm -hmm. it's our, in her logic, she's the final girl, but she's the killer. And so it plays, you know, messes with that expectation of, and even as you're watching it, it's like, oh, this is this is the next generation of Scream. We're, we're no longer going to be tracking Sydney Prescott. We're going to be tracking, I can't remember if it was her niece or her cousin, I think it was her cousin. Yes. And that's, you know, it's Emma Roberts and I'm like, oh, of course, that's who we're going to be tracking. So when that rug is pulled from underneath you and you're like, oh, wait, oh, oh, that's genius. Right. And and uh, so, you know, it's, it's a good foil to that to that whole trope where it's like, all right, we we know because of these rules that have already been established, this is who we're supposed to be following right now. And then a movie like that, it's like, uh -huh. We, we know that's what you were thinking. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to play with those expectations. So right, right. a good movie that messes with that. And lastly, my other foil that I'll just mention. Mm -hmm. Again, I, I say I don't like torture movies because I don't like torture movies. But, but I do watch them. And, <laughs> and uh, occasionally there comes one where it, it shakes me to my core and the movie Wolf uh, Wolf Creek did that to me, where it was this Australian film, and it's a, a couple girls and a dude, and they're you know they're Aussies traveling through, you know uh, they're going out back, you know Australia, and they stop off at like this meteor site, and they're 
observing and a truck comes and uh well their 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 vehicle breaks down a truck comes rescues them he's like hey you know let's take your truck back to my place i'll get it fixed up you'll be on your way this happens about 45 minutes into the movie the first 45 minutes we're watching this story specifically this one girl who's kind of appearing to be our lead in this movie and then a shift happens and I don't, I, you know, again, it's a movie that's been around. So I, I can, I feel, I feel, have you, have you seen it? I did. I, I didn't, uh, people loved it. And I, I, I was like, we've seen the same thing a million times. It just yeah. didn't to me, but, but people really love it. Yeah. So geez, I don't remember what happened. So carry on. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so you think you're tracking this one girl and she's kind of the, the more innocent of the, uh, of the two. And she's interested in the guy and, and then we're even kind of following her when, she figures out and they all figure, well, you know, that they kind of been poisoned. So she tries to escape and then he like severs her, like her spinal column, and which is just like completely like brutal. And, you know, she's like paralyzed and it's like the, the sound of like bones crunching moment was just like horrendous. And I, I thought like, this is a person that we were going to be tracking. And then she's gone. Like she's like dead an hour into the movie. And just a very, very brutal, brutal way. And it's just, again, just kind of a movie that kind of like foil, uh, like plays with that expectation. Oh, you think this might be your hero? Well, no, because she's gone. She's actually the first one to go. Wow, I, love, I don't remember that at all. I just remember being like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> and I get that. I get it. It's not a great film. But if, if you are, like I said, if you're watching a movie for a certain themes and you're looking at movies from certain angles mm. you're, you're gonna give some movies some credit and maybe i'm uh. giving more credit than it maybe it deserves but i i do think about that film just in the in in the aspect that yeah it it messed with my with my expectations of the the film that i thought i was watching wow okay and it's like maybe i should watch it again <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i always saw it the one time it's like i don't know so i just like i'm not gonna watch it again yeah maybe I know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. I'm Harker. I'm not claiming I'm right. You know what I mean? I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm just. Uh, we said Final Girls, so I just wanted to think of all the movies that were Final Girls, anti Final Girls, and like some foils and New Age Final Girls, like uh, um, us. Uh, should I forget? Oh. I forget her. Uh, Nipita. Yeah, I can't remember her character's name at all. I think it was Red. I think it was Red. That sounds kind of right. Yeah. Um, and then have you seen, have you seen behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon? Oh, I don't think I finished it. Okay. So <laughs> that movie, the, the final girl in the movie, you don't really realize it because the whole idea is he, they're, they're making this documentary on a serial killer who and he's chasing a girl and they're, they're filming this and, he, and it's like, that's the final girl. And so the, the, the female woman that's doing the documentary, that's following the serial killer she tries to warn the so-called final girl, but we find out she wasn't the final girl. It's actually the girl that's doing the documentary is the final girl. Um, but oh. the, the genius element of that is, well, it's not really the genius, but what I love about the movie is the final girl of that movie was like Macaulay Culkin's cousin in Home Alone, uh, okay. which, <laughs> which I thought was, or actually it was his, his sister. It was his sister in Home Alone, which I thought was uh, pretty awesome. And then oh. recently... Uh, if you've seen the movie Prey, which is now out on like Hulu, huh? Um, it's about uh, Comanche. It, it's kind of like a, a predator prequel, if you will. But right, right. but uh, the it's it, it focuses on the the Comanche tribe, and our hero in that is a girl by the name of Nuru. So just trying to think of like some some new age postmodern final girl. So right. just, yeah, like tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, happy Death Day, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think of others now too. Yeah. Uh, and shoot, and again, a gen, not even a gender-neutral name. She doesn't even have a name, like like a, like a human name, right? I mean, we're just going to name her after an inanimate object, right? I was like, is tree a name? Are they calling her Tree? <laughs> and what's great about Tree though is also the rules are completely out the window. She's not she's not a final girl in that classical sense, and basically her whole journey is not to take her purity away and, you know, grab, grab, grab a weapon. It's to, it's kind of, kind of like in a masculine way is just kind of like take her away from whatever to make her wholesome. I think is just to try to be like the more better human being, I think is in the end. 
it's kind of like a uh what is a groundhog day kind of approach yeah 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 no totally yeah yeah i mean even going back to scream one like we're sitting they talk about all of these tropes and all this um she still ends up putting Giving out. it up yeah <laughs> yeah so so i mean they're they were blowing up that trope as they did so many in that movie even with that and you know and then she still ends up being the final girl. So the girl who puts out can be the final girl sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, knowing the rules and knowing when you can break them. Right. Do you have anything else that you like to talk about? I like to usually whenever I have I have some fun, I like to like throw quizzes at people. But okay. there, do you have any other thoughts on final girls or the male gaze or anything else that you like to cover before we we tend to uh, move into the conclusion part? No, but I do. Uh, well, maybe I like that there has been transforming as we were talking about. And I think that also is helping because there are more um, females behind the camera mm. and producing and directing. And they're not necessarily, you know, the sweet little girl who goes to mass every day or whatever kind of thing. You know, they, they're real people. Kind of. <laughs> right. so that is helping a lot too with with opening it up and making the characters just more well-rounded and i'm grateful for that it's just the more we care about the character and identify with the character the more we care and with any movie it doesn't matter what the genre a war movie a rom-com like if we don't care we don't care yeah <laughs> yeah no i mean i think that right there that's your sound bite right there we don't care we don't care right i mean that's that, that's it that's it cool. now Final, final, final girl question for you. All right. So obviously we know that Jamie Lee Curtis is kind of like that quintessential like scream queen. You know, she's obviously technically, I guess, been in more. I mean, she's been in what, like seven at this point. Well, as as of later this month, this month being October, she will have been in like seven different Halloween films. And of course, she did prom night, which I guess kind of sort of she was the final girl. She was kind of sore, the, sort of the final girl on Terror Train. Terror she wasn't Train. really the final girl in The Fog, but uh, she's in these in these films, right? So she survived them. She, she survives them. The only yeah. final girl. She's not the only survivor in The Fog. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who survives Terror Train, but I really like that one. That was a good one. I didn't see that twist coming. Yeah. It was a good one. And I mean, it, it's pretty early, really. You know, I, I granted, I, I don't know. I don't know if the terminology is like queer cinema, but I I don't know if, you know, that was something that had been utilized a lot. You know, it was kind of like that type of, obviously we have Psycho and, um, and I think Terror Train may, may have predated, what was it, Dress to Kill? But I don't know. So I'm not sure. (laughs) But it was around the same time. And then, you know, just that, you know, just open, open, open a lens to an, you know, open the audience to, uh, you know, a uh, different, different type of cinema that I don't think that was really getting a lot of representation at its time. And it's, I think it holds up even better today than me. I mean, now I think there are some things that are questionable and problematic, sure. but, but That's I think, that, pardon me. That's to be expected from something from 30, 40 years ago. Right. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then obviously like, what was it like? Uh, what is it? Is it sleepaway camp? You know, just yeah. another, you know, so, I mean, there are these movies that, that were, that were pushing, pushing the audience or pushing the envelope in different ways, kind of ahead of their time. But I think terror train, if memory serves, and maybe I need to go back and revisit it, but I think it, it does it very, very well. I think. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I can see some people being like, what? You know the queer characters, the killers. Like, well, I mean, queer people are crazy sometimes too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it would be almost worse if literally no no queer characters ended up being the killer. Because mm-hmm. like, well, yeah. So I don't know. I'm not. I just thought it was a really good twist, and it made sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I bought it, and something seemed off the whole time, but I not enough that I thought about it. Mm-hmm. And so when it happened, I was just like. Something was, I don't say something was off, but something dinged, you know, as a child, but still something dinged and I, but not enough. And then when it was revealed, I was like, oh, that's why it was dinging. Something was different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a good way. Yeah. I thought, I thought, I thought it was really well done. Yeah. And I guess it, it's kind of, it's kind of on topic 
in some ways and it's on topic in a different way, but just want to, I try not to make things overtly about what's happening right now, but as we're recording this, um, the, the artist uh, Q Lazarus passed away today who did the song Goodbye Horses, which was famously used in Silence of the Lambs, which features a, a final girl of sorts, uh, being Clary Starlings, sure. um, you know, so just, it kind of like tied in. It just made me think about that. Yeah. I didn't know that they died today. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Parker, I've got a quiz for you. Oh yes. The quiz. Okay. okay. All right. Oh, no. So here we go. And there's, you know, well, obviously there are right answers, wrong answers, but this is also just part of like conversation because in my research, I've, until I looked it up, I never really actually knew the phrase, but today we've used the word like phallic, or maybe I've used it, um, pretty regularly in this conversation. But what I am curious about is, do you know if there is, and if there is what the opposite word of phallic is? Oh God. Okay. So do you know the answer to this? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's like, is there an actual answer? There um, is. There is. It's okay if you don't like. I had never, I had never ever seen this word before until I looked it up. I feel like I know what the word, but I don't. I, I don't think it's going to come to mind. All I can think is vaginal, and I don't think that. I mean, and that would make sense. And that would make sense. Um, the apparently the word is yonic. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. Or yonic, <laughs> yonic or yonic. Uh, so it's y o n i c is the opposite know. to phallic. Now, huh. I bring this up because in the whole idea of the 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 final girl trope, you know, obviously it's it's about um, a conservative. Well, not obviously, you know, um, politically conservative per se, but someone that doesn't drink, somebody that doesn't smoke, doesn't have sex, doesn't swear, doesn't do anything. Right. right. And then in the end, she strips away that facade and she she picks up the weapon, often phallic shaped. I mean, th this is what. The definitions this is what they talk about mm -hmm. and i was thinking about this really really long and hard and what weapons aren't phallic shaped right. like you know like they all are right and the only thing i could think of is well what would be a yonic weapon or a yonic weapon the only thing i could even think of and i'm not even trying to do this for like humor would be like a whirlpool like you know like in the the ocean or like just something that's kind of like vaginal looking you know i, I can't right, right. i can't think of so using that 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 idea of well you know it has to be the, the weapon that she's going to use is going to you know it's just kind of uh, a freudian way of saying you know she's grabbing a penis but it, it's a brunt instrument and I, I just can't think of any i can't either and i am not like i said i'm not trying to be sexist but i'm just trying to think of well what would be like a yonic weapon or a yonic weapon um maybe a bear trap i i don't know like i, I <laughs> like I, I don't know i mean i think of the movie teeth uh, which I don't know if you saw oh, teeth. Yes, teeth. I love to teeth. Teeth is great. I mean, yeah. that's quite literal, you know, a, uh, like a female weapon that is, that is used in that movie. But I, I was just trying to think of, well, what are, what, what, what are the alternatives? And I just, I was having a really difficult time trying to figure that out. When you mentioned it first about how, you know, basically they grab a phallus and they have a penis and to, to fight back. Mm -hmm. Um, I was thinking, what else could they grab? What else could they wield? It isn't that way, but you know, we were talking, so you time to like really process it. But yeah. it did really pop up. I'm like, I, I, they're all kind of phallic, right? And I think they, in some ways, need to be because it, it needs. <laughs> God, here we go. Needs to be kind of long, <laughs> so <laughs> you can hold it, but also <laughs> attack someone from some kind of distance, right? You know, <laughs> mm -hmm. and with a gun, you can be farther away, but then you're actually <laughs> something out of it. <laughs> so I, I mean, was, there's no escape. Uh, there's no escape. You have to <laughs> use a penis. <laughs> Not really, but you know what I'm saying. Um, I don't know. I can't think of anything either that you could use. I mean, you know, something like a bowl, but like yeah, and, and you're not gonna, and you're not uh, like poison if it's in like a vial. But even the even a vial, you know, like again, and you're pouring something out. Like it's. Like no matter how you how you slice it, you know, there it's just but anyway, I was curious just to know what your thoughts are. So again, this one wasn't like really a right or wrong answer. I was just kind of uh, curious about your thoughts. I would love a listener to pipe in, you know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. 
duh, guys, <laughs> what about this, 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 and this? I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, we kind of covered a couple of these, so I'm going to go into this one, which we're going to play the Name the Final Girl movie. So I'm going to give you, you can either get the actor or the character. No, no, you get the character name or the movie name. And so if I give you the movie, you have to tell me the final girl. Or if I give you the, the final girl, you have to tell me the movie. Okay, okay. Give me the final girl. I think that'll be easier. Than All right, your... perfect. All right, we'll start. We'll do some softball ones first. Okay. No. Sydney Prescott. Scream. Okay. Laurie Strode. Halloween. Jess Bradford. Black Christmas. Ellen Ripley. Alien. Nancy Thompson. Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, well, shit. I, I thought I wasn't sure if like, I thought like Nancy Thompson might throw you off, but I mean, uh-huh. we have, because we haven't mentioned Nightmare on Elm Street either. And, uh, you know, which, oh my God, we had the final boy in the, in the second one. Oh God. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Nancy, pardon me. Nancy doesn't use a penis. I no. don't think. She no. uses her, her mind, essentially. She takes back all of the power in the end. Like she says, so those booby traps, those also were not phallic. Oh my God. Yes. We, we've, yeah. we've cracked the case. We found, we found the exception. <laughs> the one person we've been talking about this whole time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's. And uh, Freddy is very phallic. Yep. He's mm-hmm. five penises on his hand. Mm-hmm. Like I do right now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and there's that scene, that memorable scene, like in in the tub where his hand, it, like she's like taking a bath, and his hand is like right there in between her legs and everything. Yeah. Right. And and how she wins it? Yeah, she she doesn't use anything. Yeah, she, she sets up the boot traps on. and brings him into the world and takes his power away. That wow, yeah. Oh, she was there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you about it. <laughs> well, I think I think that's a perfect perfect film to kind of wrap up on. We had yeah. like a whole argument, or I had a whole argument, and then we finally we finally uh, crushed it at the very end of this. So I think I think it's good. Um, my last question for you: Do you see do you see any final girls in of the next generation? Do you you see any young actresses that you think? Uh, maybe Joey King. Mm. She's been in. A bunch of movies, but yeah, she's the conjuring her stuff, yeah. And the lie, I haven't seen that. I did not see that shit coming. <laughs> I looked at my boyfriend, I was like, Well, there's so many lies. This movie could, could be called The Lies. Then you get to The Lie, and I was like, Oh, it's a Blumhouse movie. Amazon, I don't know. Okay. They put, I think it was during COVID, they put like five or six movies directly onto, again, I think Prime. I think yeah. Prime. And, you know, to varying degrees of success. They were all worth seeing if you're interested, but the lie just blew my face off. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah, Joey King, I think it. I think is a good call. I know I had mentioned uh, Jenna Ortega. Mm. I think, I mean, at this point, she's already done a few. You know, she's done X. She did the new Scream movie. She right. was in Studio 666, which I haven't seen yet. Oh, and um, she was in the sequel to The Babysitter. Oh, my God. We uh, also did mention Ready or Not with uh, Samara Weaving, uh, who was also in The Babysitter, which she was good in those, too. But, yeah, Joey King, Jenna Ortega, a couple, like, 21st century final girls in the making, I think. Right, in the making, right, totally. Yeah, totally. yeah. All right. Well, that's all I've got. Before we wrap up, Parker, again, thank you. I had an absolute delight chatting with you. I, I love talking with people that love horror films, that just like even to talk about uh, tropes and archetypes and just to try to take a deep dive into those. So I had a lot of fun. Hopefully this was a good experience for you as well. I had a great time. Like, you never know going into something. I'm just like, oh, no. What if this is weird? What if I don't have answers? What if I'm awkward? <laughs> but it was very, very um so conversational you were so easy to talk to so it's great fun well awesome i'm glad i'm, I'm glad um always open invitation to come back if you ever want to talk anything else if you ever want to take a deep dive into april fool's day or anything else um i'm i'm all about it or if you ever want to talk some more about you know your your projects that you're working on or if there's anything 
open invitation. This has been an absolute delight. Oh, great. That'd be great. I would love to do April Fool's Day. Like, if you haven't done that yet, we should do April Fool's Day. <laughs> done. Maybe we'll do that for April Fool's Day next year. That, that'll be brilliant yeah i think now it's gonna happen i'm 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 locking you in by the way i'm just gonna hound you now like harker we have to talk it we have to talk about it absolutely i've seen it many times all right harker where can everybody find you you can find me on instagram at at harker jones or twitter which i mean twitter's trash but i'm kind of there at twitter underscore j I mean, at Harker underscore J. And you can find me on Facebook, but if you want to find me on Facebook, don't just send a friend request because I don't accept it from people I don't know. At least send a message saying, hey, I heard you on the thing. You know, something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on TikTok, ugh, I'm only on TikTok to promote my book and I'm not on there very often. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thank you so much for having me. And if you're interested, check out my book until September. You or whoever, you know, it's out there. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. And there you have it. Another killer episode in the books. Hey, that's a pun. Didn't even didn't even mean that. Uh, hopefully you had a great time listening to this. I certainly had a great time recording it kind of all over the place. I was at times. Uh, but again, it, it's one of my favorite tropes and there's a lot to unpack. And I know that in the the hour or so that we we talked, we we got into it, but there's so much more so much more there to really get into. So definitely do yourself a favor, research it. I'm going to put a couple links in the show notes that kind of dis- uh, that discuss the trope. Also we'll discuss the male gaze, which we kind of loosely got into the conversation of. There will, of course, be links to the, some of the films we talked about. And then our guest, our guest, Harker, thank you again. Oh, my God. What an insanely amazing um gracious guest that came onto the show. I know that you absolutely loved him. So hit Harker up on social media. And if you're not already subscribing to me, do me a favor and hit me up on my social media channels. The links for my various uh, channels are going to be in the show notes, or you can always visit my website, stampercinema.com. And that's all I got for you this week. As always, I'm extremely appreciative for anybody that takes the time to download my episodes and even more so for those that decide to listen to my episodes. So if you've gotten this far, you guys are my favorite people. I mean that sincerely. I do this stuff for you. So if you have any any uh, questions, feel free to reach out. If you want to leave me a little voicemail on my website, you can do that. Um, all that stuff is free. Just go to stampercinema.com. Leave me a review. Reviews are great. And they're starting to pile up. I'm, you know, I'm getting some five stars, uh, which uh, thank you. Thank you, everybody. And the the reviews are starting to flow in as well. I mean, we are 80 some odd episodes deep at this point. And all of that goes back to y'all for making this happen. And I continue to do this stuff for y'all. So let's let's build this brand together. Anyway, that's all I've got. We'll see you next week on another episode of Stamper Cinema. 